Hey, welcome to the Project Church Podcast. My name is Caleb Cole. I'm the lead pastor here at Project Church in downtown Sacramento. And we're so glad that you came to hear this word. We believe this is going to encourage you, build you up, and give you life. So get ready to receive a message from God. Mm. Yes, Jesus. Matthew 16, uh, 21 through 25. From that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things for the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, Far be it from you, Lord. This will never happen to you. But he, being Jesus, he turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are a hindrance to me, for you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. Then Jesus told his disciples, If anyone would come after me, let him take up, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Today we're in this heart check series, and this is the passage I want to share from you, share with you, and share from and highlight. And I want to encourage this heart check series that we would give God some permission today. That we'd give God full permission today to give us a heart check and to, to reveal to us what he wants to show us, to say to us what he wants to say to us. So would you join me in prayer? God, I pray that would be the cry of this church, that you would speak, that we would say, not my will, but your will. Lord, I pray that you would say what you want to say today. I pray for a church that seeks more about your, your will than our own agenda, that wants more about what, what you care about than rather than what we think we should be caring about, that wants to just do it your way, God. I pray that we would have a heart, a postured humility that says, God, I want your will to be done above all else, and I want to set my mind on your things, on your ways, because your ways are higher. And I pray you would have your way today. And we pray this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. We can give God some praise one more time. And you can be seated today. I'm excited to to share with you on this passage. My name is Lauren. I'm one of the pastors here. Really excited about uh, today. Really honored to be sharing with you. Um, but just excited, man. It's just a fun season at, at our church. In just a few weeks, we're having our grand opening, and, and there's a lot of stuff happening. And I feel like this message, uh, it's, it's heavy on my heart. I'll say that. I'm really excited about it, and I feel really pressed to share, with some, share some things with you. Um, I'll start with this idea. So I read the passage, and I'm just going to kind of come in hot with you on this. Um, it's this, this idea that this conviction and this passion um, that I felt God's put on my heart is that we cannot fix what we are unaware of. You tracking with me? Like we can't, if there's a problem and we don't know about it, we can't fix it. It's just going to remain a problem. And I believe the heart of the Father, God's heart is wanting to reveal some problems in our life. The root problem of our life but he's not just going to reveal it. He wants to heal it. This is, that's, that's kind of a, the, the catch of my, my message today is God will reveal what he wants to heal in you. 
He will reveal to you what he wants to heal. And so I believe there's both some revelation that happens today that God wants to happen. And I'm praying, I've been praying all week that, that God, that those two things happen, revelation and healing. Revelation of the root problem in your heart. Revelation of the heart is a heart check. And that there's some incredible healing of the root problem will happen today. See, um, Mark Batterson said this in his book, Whisper. He was talking about the three things uh, God wants to communicate with you. And he said God will either want to communicate with you uh, affirmation, direction, or correction. And uh, I believe we often seek after the affirmation. We like the affirmation. And we like the direction. God, lead me. And that, those are great things to pray. And God does that so often. So often in my quiet time with Jesus, he's affirming me. He's saying, I'm proud of you, Lauren. I love you. But off, also... I can't, can't preach. I'd love to just get up here and just affirm you every single Sunday or affirm, like whoever's preaching just, just to be the church because it's like it's a little easier just being real, just to be like God loves you. You are fearfully, wonderfully made. You have purpose. You were made in his image. All those things are absolutely true, and I will still say them all the time. But the full gospel is that God wants to correct you sometimes, that God wants to say, hey, listen up, course correction here. You, you, you don't have it all together. Peter had, had some, some success, but then he also had some correction. And it was pretty stern right there. You, you saw it. And so I want to encourage some people to lean into that of those three things God wants to communicate to you, affirmation or direction or correction, that we lean into this last one and say, when was the last time God corrected me? When was the last time I allowed God to correct me? When was the last time I sought after, God, correct me if I'm wrong? Odds are you're wrong. <laughs> like, because the, the heart is deceitfully wicked. And so sometimes we, we have this natural uh, inclination to like avoid correction. It's kind of, uh, it, it's, it's not fun. Like I was telling someone, I, I went into the, the dentist and they were just like, hey, do you floss? You need to start and you start flossing better. And I'm like, don't tell me how to live my life, bro. <laughs> like, we don't like to be told what to do. We don't want to, like, be corrected. It's kind of like a, well, yo, I, don't tell me how to live my life. That's, that's our natural uh, inclination, I think, at least, at least for me. Um, but I wanted to, to lean in. And God's, see, see here's, here's why I think a lot of us hate correction or dislike correction and uh, avoid it potentially is because sometimes people correct you and don't bring a solution. Some people point out the problem and don't point out a solution. You know, like you ever have a person like, oh, he just does this. He's, you're just, you got all these problems. Uh, like <laughs> a, a, few, uh, a, a few weeks ago, I, I, so my kid, my, my fourth child, my only son, was born three weeks ago today. Almost exactly, actually. So I'm pretty pumped, yep. But my friend came by, and he was just like, he brought me some food, so he was helping. But he, he just dropped it off. I talked to him for just a minute. And he was like, bro, you look really tired. I was like, I was literally holding him. I'm like, do you, you see him? He's like, do you know how kids, kids work? And I was just like, what do you, I literally didn't know how to respond. I was just like, what do you, what do you want from me? I'm tired, yeah. I don't, are you going to help? Are you going to, like, inject me with some sleep? Uh, and so sometimes, I mean, he's cool. He was just 
saying that because it was an observation. But sometimes I think we don't like uh, being corrected, being pointed out our problems if there's no solution. So like I'm t- today I want to point out a specific problem with each and every one of you and me too is that you're all selfish. <laughs> you all have an inclination to selfishness. And if you took that offensively, this message is for you. <laughs> um, we have an inclination to selfishness. And, but God's not going to just point, reveal something to you that he's not going to solve, that he's not going to help you heal. He's going to reveal, he's going to heal. And so, like, the, it would be a very discouraging Sunday for my message to stop there and be like, y'all are the worst selfish people ever. Have a great Sunday. See you next time. Don't forget to sign up for a team and be blessed, y'all. And, like, Jesus left, like, that was, that was encouraging. But God says, no, there's so much more to it. Right here in the scripture, Peter is rebuked and be like, hey, you're thinking about the things of man and not on the things of God. And he, right from there, he makes this opportunity to, to teach all of his disciples and even a crowd that is, that is said to be gathered there in the other gospels that are recorded. He takes this opportunity to say, okay, here's, here's the problem. You're thinking about yourself, selfishness. And, but, but here's the solution. And he describes what the, what the solution is, and he describes what it means to follow him, to deny self, pick up your cross, and follow him. And so that's what I want to lean in today. I believe God wants to heal some, reveal some selfishness, to heal some selfishness, some wounds. And as a result, we're going to serve more. Because that's our calling. That's what's described in Scripture. So uh, another main idea that kind of sums it up is when I recognize and repent of my selfishness, when I own it and give it to God, it empowers me to serve others better. And that's your calling. It empowers you to serve others better. And that is the purpose of your life, is to put the, count the needs of others more significant than your own, as Philippians 2 describes. Like everything in Scripture describes your purpose as counting the needs of others more, as dying to self and counting, putting in others first. But we have the natural inclination, the default setting on our heart is to be all about me. And so my prayer is that you recognize how you can grow and you take a step closer to Jesus today. Like, I don't think you're here because you want to just, like, check something off uh, the the Christian to-do list and say, I went to church, I feel good. But I believe you're here because you want to grow closer to Jesus. If if maybe you are checking the list, maybe God's going to change your heart in the process of the next 15 minutes. And if that is your goal, then regularly, regularly, I believe God is going to reveal things about, about you and correct, reveal problems to you, but also say, I'm going to walk with you with a solution. I'm going to walk with you through the healing process, and as a result, you're going to serve others more. You're going to count others' needs more. You're going to serve, and I'm going to work through your life. So I want to look at this exchange that happens. This is an essential teaching of Jesus saying, this is what it means to be a Christian, to follow me, Christ follower, to follow Christ, this is what it means. So it's an essential truth. It's an essential tr- description of what it means to follow Jesus, of what, what it means to be a Christian. He describes it right here. And so it's an essential for us to understand this. And my hypothesis is that a lot of Christians miss, miss this. 
Like, so a lot of, in other words, a lot of Christians aren't Christians because the definition of a Christian is a Christ follower. And this is the description of following Christ. So a lot of Christians say they're Christians, but they're not following Christ, so they're not a Christian. And so this, I, I, I just want to reveal the text to you and, and let God speak to you here. I want to uh, look at a few things. First, uh, it's unique, this exchange that happened uh, with Peter. Uh, he, right before this happened, Jesus was talking to them, and it was nearing his death. It was leading up to his uh, death, crucifixion, and resurrection. And he was asking, like, hey, everybody says I'm this. Everybody, some people say I'm that. Who do you say I am? And it's a powerful moment for Peter, and he nails it. Peter is like, you are the Christ, which meaning the Messiah, the anointed one, which is prophesied from Isaiah. And it was, he, he nailed it. He said, you are the Christ. You are the son of the living God. And, and he affirms him. Jesus says, you got that right. Like, that was spot on, Peter. And he even says, you got this, not from your own understanding, but from God. Like, God revealed this to you. You didn't, you didn't, that's not coming from you, that's coming from God. And Peter had just been on this high, but then he falls low to this harsh rebuke. So what I encourage you is a past success doesn't guarantee in the future success. Sometimes the, the greatest threat to our future success is our past success because then we say, oh, I got this. Like, look what I did. And we go on cruise control. But cruise control, like the default, I've told you already five times, like selfishness, that's the default. So if you go on cruise control or autopilot or whatever analogy you want to use there, you start to think about yourself, and then that's when you should get the correction. So I believe, man, I believe we should be corrected often. Like I want to be corrected by God. So I want to, I'm laying out my message a little different than I usually do. I just kind of have two questions rather than like a standard three-point sermon. Um, so I have these two questions, and and I really believe, my, my prayer is that you hear God's heart with this. And I've felt it strongly put on my heart that God wants to reveal and to heal. And that there are some hurts, some wounds. And so a lot of people are looking at all these problems. And they're so frustrated by a lot of external problems and you, that you cannot fix. And they're annoying. And they make you want to lose your salvation because you're so frustrated with a lot of external problems about other people and circumstances in your life. But I believe God wants to reveal some things to you. And he says, the problem is not there. The problem is right here. But I have good news that I'm willing to walk this out and walk out healing with you. And so here's, here's the first question. What does it look like to receive correction? Like I said, God wants to communicate with you. He will, like, we like receiving that affirmation. And we often seek after the direction. We're often praying. That's a very common prayer. God, what do you want me to do? What job do you want me to take? What, what do you want me to do with this? Do you want me to marry this person? Like that, that's a common prayer. But what does it look like to receive correction? Well, I, th I think there's something significant about Peter's rebuke and Peter's affirmation beforehand. Like Peter got affirmed, but then he got corrected. And I think that's something to, to reiterate is some of us may have become uncorrectable because of our past success. I don't care if you've been serving God 60 years or six months, like God wants to still correct you. And here's the reality that we have to come to grips with. And I've been saying it, but let me put it this way. You will never lose your selfishness fully. You will never, you always on, 
Let me, let me rephrase that. On this side of heaven, you tracking with me? You will never fully be able to remove the sin nature, the human condition to look at self over God. And so that's why I said autopilot means, okay, then you're starting to, starting to go back to the natural, the, the, the innate wiring to, to put self over God. And so we should be regularly receiving correction from God. And so my challenge to you is like, when was the last time you were corrected by God? Do you just want to hear the direction and affirmation? God wants to correct you, and that is a very, very exciting thing. Rather than rejecting correction like I did at the dentist, I should be rejoicing with it. Because I'm like, okay, I have direction. I have information that, that is actually helpful to me. I should be flossing more, guys. I'll admit it. But, so we should be rejoicing and receiving the correction. So how do, how do you receive correction? You not only rejoice, and, you not, and it's not just avoiding the, and fearing correction, but, man, I want to long for a correction. I want to desire. If I'm in the wrong, I want to know. If I'm off course, then I want to know. A beautiful example of this is David. And if you know David's story, he had some highs and some lows. And that's the beautiful thing about every human in Scripture is we see the highs and the lows. And what I love about David is his heart. Like, yeah, he had some lows. He had some major failures, adultery and murder. And he had some highs, killing Goliath and being, being described as a man after God's own heart. And, but he prayed this prayer and bet. More important, more impressive to me than slaying the giant is this poem, is this, this, these words that demonstrate his heart. In Psalm 139, verse 23 and 24, he says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. So he's giving God full, full permission. He's inviting it. He's not just like, oh, I'm sure God will correct me if I'm, I'm going to keep going. And if God will let me know if I'm on track. No, he's, he's inviting it. He said, like another translation says, cross-examine my heart. Like, put it, I'm putting it all on the line there and show me. Try, my, try me and know my thoughts, your heart, your mind. And he's saying, see if there be any grievous way about me. See if there's any evil there. See if there's any selfishness there. God, reveal it to me. I want to know if there's something wrong in here. I want to know it because that is the, that is the, the thing that is steering me away. And then he says, lead me in the way everlasting. Man, that is impressive to me. I admire that about David more than I admire his ability to slay Goliath or his, his faith in slaying Goliath. Because often our prayer is just affirm me, God. Like we don't want, we want aff- affirmation. We don't want correction. Like that's a lot more enjoyable. God will affirm you. God will say you're fearfully, wonderfully made. I love you. I'm proud of you. I see you. Your identity is in me. I'll preach that all day long. But also, God wants to correct us. God wants to show us we pray that prayer. I believe that's a, God, a prayer God always answers. And he says, okay, I'll show you. We have to invite that. See, the reality is the difference between Peter and us is, is Peter had Jesus' physical form, human, human right in front of him. He actually, like, touched him and said, Peter, listen to me. You're off, bro. Like, you are not thinking about the things of God. You are thinking about yourself. You are eyes on yourself. You got the last one right, but this one, you are way off. 
And he's saying, this is what it means. This, uh, let, me, let me set the record straight. Following Jesus means you're denying yourself and following me. You're picking up your cross daily and following me. You're submitting your life to me. And so we, we have to, so what's the difference? We don't have Jesus in front of us. We have to listen for his voice because it's really, e- it's a lot easier, I should say, to deny someone when they're not in human form right in front of your face. See, see God speaks to us. And it's still small voice. He speaks to us in prayer. But we have to invite that. Often, he, God, I mean, God, may, God speaks in all different ways. But often, I believe that if we're not inviting it, he's not going to say it. Like, maybe God's been trying to correct you. You just haven't been listening. So how, how do you receive the correction? Sometimes you just be corrected by looking at the facts. Um, a great example, quick. Heart check for me. It was 2017. And I went on this retreat, this trip with a bunch of pastors um, around the country. We've we been connected. And we went on this trip in, in Colorado, had stayed a few nights. And it was just a fun time of connection, praying for each other, encouraging each other. And we went out to lunch in uh, Boulder, Colorado. And we met the, uh, we had lunch with the author of this book called The Art of Neighboring. And it was actually a really successful book. And it just talks about how loving your neighbor Means like loving your neighbor, like your actual neighbor, um, and and he, I, I sat next, right next to him. There was like eight people at the table, and I sat right next to him for some reason. And I leaned up. We were hanging out, and then I was like, "Hey, man, what's your book about?" Or like, "Give me the, what's what's this all about?" And he hands me a napkin, and he says, "Okay, well, here's what it's about. Right, draw a little tic tac toe, a thing. And you know, I draw tic tac toe. You draw two lines this way, two lines that way, and then like it's tic tac toe thing. And then he said." Do, do you, your house is in the middle. Write an, write an X in the middle. And then he said, okay, now I want you to write down, like, pretend like this is your neighborhood. Write down every name of your neighbor that you can think of, that you know. And I was like, all right, all right. There's uh, Justin. It's Justin. I'm Justin. Pretty sure it's Justin. And then there's a kid. His name's, uh, there's a guy. His kid's named Diego. I know that because that stood out to me, so. Does that count? Yeah, yeah, it's a kid. He count, he's my neighbor. And I wrote down three names of, of people I was able to name. I'm like, I know what he looks like. Like, I've seen him go get groceries before, and I see him going in and out. I'm like, what's up? Like, I got him. We're on that level. But, but then he, this is what he said. This was the heart check for me. Then he looked at, I was like, all right, I got three names. That's all, that's all I got. And he looked at me and said the words that was the greatest heart check, or one of the greatest heart checks for me. He said, you're like, okay, you're like most Christians. And if you know me, if you know anything about me, I don't want to, like, be like most anything. So that was, that, like, cut me deep in a good way, though. Something I know that actually God, you look back and realize that was a God heart check for me, because I went back and I realized that that stuck with me, and it was in front of all my friends, just like Peter got rebuked right in front of all his friends. I got the heart checked right in front of my friends, and I was just like, "Oh, you're like most Christians," and I had I had nothing, no response. I'm like, "Okay, heart check." From that, I'm grateful to say that there has been an incredible community built. 
And it's honestly just from prayer and my kids. I can't take credit for it. I started praying for my neighbors, and I started writing my neighbors' names down on a list so I wouldn't forget. And I started being intentional about loving them, intentional about serving them. New neighbor moved in. I tried to help them move. I tried to help them serve my kids. Our kids became friends. And now we have a tighter-knit community than I've ever been able to see. Matter of fact, right as I was preparing this message, just part of this message, my doorbell rang and some Krispy Kreme donuts showed up. So that is just the fruit of serving God. God will bless you back when you listen to his voice. I don't know. That's the side. That's a whole nother sermon. And so I want to let you know, sometimes God heart checks us with the facts. Sometimes we need somebody to be like, hey, how many neighbors do you, what's the name of your neighbors? Like, what's, what's their kids' names? What are they, what, and, and maybe, or maybe it's, when was the last time you put your spouse's needs before your own? Dads, when was the last time you just took care of the kids and let, let your wife go do something, get her nails done? When was the last time you significantly counted the needs of someone else? That might be the heart check that we need. Sometimes you look at the facts. When was the last time I did this? It, take an take a audit of your last week. Take an audit of your bank account. Your, your money will reflect where your priorities are. Like, let that be a heart check. Where are you investing? Are you counting? Does your life reflect that of denying self? Does your life, just, just look at the facts. Sometimes that's what it is. Did you serve someone else? Do you value other people? And what I want to encourage you with is like this process of being corrected is like taking your car into the mechanic shop. Um, mechanic shop? That doesn't sound right. What's it called? Auto shop? You take it into the shop. There it is. You take it into the shop and because and it's been running weird. It's been having a lot of weird problems, right? And you take it in, and the mechanic says, man, there was some major issue in here. And then you, you lean back and you're like, ooh, how much? How many zeros? But, but he says, you know what? I'm going to cover it. All you have to do is be willing to let me work on it. Like, that's what this is. See, we get nervous because we're like, I don't want God to correct me because then it's going to cost. I don't know what it's going to cost me. Don't worry about it, what it costs. He says to deny yourself, pick up your cross, be willing to go the way because God wants to walk it out with you. Are you willing to pick up the cross? Are you willing to walk with Jesus? Are you willing to follow Jesus and to surrender and submit and be willing to receive the correction no matter what it says? He wants to heal you. He wants to reveal, but he wants to heal, and he wants to walk with you in that journey. The second question is, what is it like to respond to the correction? Uh, first, it means repentance. It means that, and that word repentance means turning away from, like actually like 180, turning away from this thing. and Recognizing it, fully owning it, fully being aware, not sweeping it on the rug, but owning it. Say, yeah, you know what? That was very selfish of me. You know what? I have been selfish. You know what? My life doesn't really reflect that of Christ right, right now. And I'm going to turn away from this. But Jesus describes what it means. That's why I said he doesn't just provide the correct, provide, point out the problem, but he points out the solution. He says, you know what it means to follow me is to deny yourself. Pick up your cross and follow me. See, this is what, so, so if you notice, I'm going to lean into this idea of denying self because I'm talking a lot about selfishness. So denying self. If you think about it, that requires two selves. Like, because there's the self that's denying and the self that's being denied. Like, yourself is denying yourself. So what, what, what does that mean? That is confusing, especially 
like if you've never like been around church much, that may throw you off, and I'm with you. It is confusing. Here, here's some other scripture to bring revelation to it. See, the two selves represent your old self and your new self. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is what? A new creation. The old has passed and the new has come. So there are two selves. And, and here, here, let me describe some more. Romans 8.5 says, For those who live according to the flesh, see if you can, you can see the pattern here with what Jesus said, set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. Do you see the two, the differences? See, your new self is killing the old self, the selfish part. The new thing that God is creating, your spirit is killing the flesh. The flesh is another word, that the, the, the selfish part. As a matter of fact, I looked at the word flesh, and I realized if you cross out the H and spell it backwards, it's the word self. You deny your flesh, you deny yourself. That's the self that needs to be not denied. The part that says, man, me, me, me. Denying the self and saying, no, God, God, God. I want to think about what the Spirit wants. I want to think about the things of God. When Jesus looks at me, I don't want to be like Peter in that scenario and say, man, you're thinking about the things of man you're thinking about yourself i want to be hearing those words says lauren you're actually right now i see you just like peter's response before this knowledge this thing that you said didn't come from you it came from god but but five seconds later it flipped and five seconds later he said you you got that last one you were thinking about you got it from god and not you but this time you're thinking about yourself and not god see the see the this process of dying to self is not a one time and you're good. Like, I think sometimes we think that, like, no, I gave my life to Jesus back in 1983, so I'm good. I'm good to go. I, I already died to self. But when Luke describes this, his record of picking up your cross, he says, daily pick up your cross. When Paul wrote the, the, he wrote the letter, he said, I couldn't think of the, which letter it was. He wrote a letter, and he said, I die daily. It is a daily process. It is a daily decision. Just because you died to self, just because you denied self, just because you killed your flesh and the selfish part of you and you denied your selfishness yesterday doesn't mean you're good today. It is a daily process that, that he wants you to walk through. And if the keys will come back, a few other thoughts that I have for you. Is, is receiving correction and responding to correction it will result in this healing process. And from that healing process, it's, you're, you're going to start serving more. So, like, sometimes the, the revelation of it, the heart check, is looking at the facts. Like, have you been serving? Have you been counting the needs of other people? Have you been putting? But, but also the, the action, the correction, the next step is serving, is replacing that, is changing the story of how, of, of that fact check, is changing the facts. Says, you know what, this week I'm going to put the needs of others more. And, and some of you right now are like, oh, I see what you're doing, Lauren. You're just trying to get everybody to sign up a team because we launched three services. I see what you're doing. Nice, nice try, Pastor. Can't pull that on me. Here's the deal. It would be an insult to God and incredibly arrogant as church leadership to say, the only way you can serve God is on a Sunday morning. Like, that would be awful. Like, that's, that's an insult. 
to, to God's plan. But you know what? It'd also be insulting to the kingdom of God and to God himself to say, you know what? And to not encourage you to be part of the local church, which he told Peter, on this rock I will build my church. And to say, you should. I would encourage you as loud and proud, unashamedly said, if you're not serving on a team, that is a way. A large way that you can serve and you can follow scripture and say, I'm taking up my cross, I'm denying myself, I'm following Jesus and helping other people find life and freedom in Jesus. It is a way. So I will encourage you, especially with the team that they have in place, I will absolutely unashamedly encourage you, if you're not already serving on a team, to sign up. But I will also encourage you that that to not limit it to there either. It's like, where are you serving? What sphere of influence has God put you in? Your neighbors, I feel like God has put my neighborhood on my heart. Maybe God's putting your neighborhood on your heart. Maybe God's, your coworkers, are you counting their needs more important than your own? Are you serving them? Are you demonstrating selflessness in your marriage, in your, in your parenting, in your relationships, in your family? That's the, that's the call to action, is to, to show up and serve selfishness versus sacrifice. So as we conclude, some of you need to, to recognize and repent, like I said, and when you do that, you grow in your, in your ability to serve others. But also I want to say that God wants to reveal something to you, and it's, it's a little bit deeper. This is, this is what I felt. God wants to reveal something to you that is deeper than the fact that you are selfishness, but he actually wants to show you a deeper level of understanding of why you have an inclination to be selfish at certain times. I wrote down, he wants to show you the reasons and the patterns of your selfishness. And here's what I have for you, is that the reason you are selfish at times, you have that natural inclination to it, is because you have been hurt by selfishness. You've, you've been hurt by selfishness. And hurt people hurt people. It, it is cyclical. It's it's. It's a pattern, and there's just no denying it. That's, that's for everybody. That's just a fact. Like you could go back, the original sin was, was Adam and Eve choosing self over God. And then, then the, the story keeps unfolding. Cain killed Abel, and then they started. You, you just keep on seeing this cycle of putting self over God and self over everything. And the one way to receive self, to, 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 to break the cycle, is not mustering up the strength. To, to, to be selfless, There's, there is a choice. Now, don't, don't get me wrong. There is a choice to be selfless. But the solution, the root problem, is receiving the selfless love. There is no way you can give what you have not received. The only way you can give selfless love is if you've received the selfless love. And there is no better example of selfless love, more true, more pure selfless love, than a God that says, I'm going to send my son to die for God so loved the world that he sent his son so that all may not perish but have eternal life. A God that says, I'm going to send my son. And Jesus saying, I'm going to lay my life down, pick up my cross, deny myself. He didn't want to go to the cross. He said, if there's any other way, God, Father, if there's any other way, but, he's, but, but this is the way. So he had to deny himself, emotionally tormenting process of him going to the cross for you. And when you receive that selfless love, some of you have received it back in 1983, but you need to receive it again. Some of you need to receive that selfless love daily. You cannot give what you have not received. 
And so I believe God wants to show you that the reason you're selfish at times, the reason you have an inclination is because you've been hurt by selfishness and that he wants you to re- receive some healing, some, the selfless love that heals. So I want you to just bow your he- heads in this place and I just want to lead you in this time. And I want to pray for you in this time that God would do that, exactly what he promises. That's a promise that he is close to the broken heart. Some of us here are broken hearted. As I'm talking about being hurt by selfishness, you feel broken hearted. But it is a promise, not, not a hope, not a possibility. It is a promise that he is close to the broken hearted and he binds up their wounds. Someone in here needs to have their wounds, are wounded, broken hearted, and you need to experience the selfless love that is healing, that is Jesus Christ. And if that's you, I'm praying for you. And I just want you to know he wants you to take a step towards him. He wants you to take a step towards him with your hands open and say, yes, yes, Lord, I receive. If this message is for you, I'm not going to stretch this out. Just on the count of three, just raise your hand. Say, yes, I needed this. I need this. One, two, three. Just put it up and put it right back down. Thank you so much. Taking that step. Thank you so much. Put it back down. And this second group of people, I want to have a specific call. If you do not know Jesus, if you do not have a relationship with him, I want to make a very intentional opportunity for you to find Jesus, to find life. That promise that he promises that eternal life. You do not have to go out and do a bunch of good things and get your life right in order to follow Jesus. He says, right where you are, come as you are. I'm here ready to meet you. And I want, and I see all that you've gone through, but I'm here to wipe away the penalty of sin, all the bad stuff that you've done, all the hurt, all the trials that you've gone through. I'm here to wipe away the penalty of sin and forgive you and walk with you and have a fellowship with you, have a relationship with you. And if that's you in this place and you want to accept Christ as your Savior, on the count of three, do something super bold. Just raise your hand, put it right back down. One, two, three. Nice and bold, put it up, put it right back down. Thank you so much right here. One hand. Anybody else, put it up, put it right back down. Praise God. Thank you so much. Would you all stand to your feet across this place? I just want to lead us in this prayer. Would you repeat this after me? Say, Jesus, I want more of you. Search my heart. And reveal to me what you want to heal. Come into my life. Forgive me of my sin. And help me follow you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Would you, would you just sing this out in response? Here I am. Would you just would you say that with your heart, with your whole self? I'm here, God. I'm available. Hey, thanks so much for tuning in to the Project Church podcast. We pray and hope that this message encouraged you built you up and gave you life. We want to ask that you would invest right now in what God is doing here in downtown Sacramento. We've just recently moved in to our all-new building in the waterfront, Old Sacramento District. We want to ask you, if you'd like to give, you can go to projectchurch.com forward slash give to invest. Let's see all that God can do through us.